welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. June is Pride Month, when we celebrate freedom of sexual expression and identity. This year, with dramatic instances of racial injustice being exposed and discussed in this country, more attention has turned to diversity and inclusion of all oppressed groups. To discuss the role of the meetings industry in addressing inequality and bias, I reached out to James Klapes, events manager for the Specialty Food Association and the chair of the LGBT Meeting Professionals Association. We've made some strides as an industry, he told me, but there's still plenty of work to be done. We've come a long way, but then obviously we haven't come up with in terms of racial equality right now and how we as meeting professionals put our best foot forward and make sure that we are being as strong of advocates as we can with the, with the positions that we have. So we are going to be speaking about how specifically we in the meetings industry can address these things. With policing, for example, I'll give you an example. My conference at with when I was with the Drug Policy Alliance back in October in St. Louis, I kept calling it the gift that kept on giving the entire week. But basically what it was, that we had a tremendous amount of law enforcement presence mm-hmm. at the hotel. Beautiful hotel, four-star hotel. And to make a long story short, there it was a, a, essentially a public building where our exhibit space was. So people could come in from the outside. You didn't have to be a hotel guest. They were building a new aquarium. There was a new Ferris wheel there. They were kind of making it into an entertainment center. Anyway, the work of of Drug Policy Alliance and a lot of our attendees are very skeptical of law enforcement because they've had very bad experiences in the past. They have very traumatic experiences with law enforcement. And I essentially had to work with the hotel for the entire five days that I was there for our conference trying to if you will, get rid of the police presence there and trying to get them to explain to me why there were so many police there. And I have to tell you, Lauren, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the majority of our attendees are people of color and also the work that our organization does. You know, we're advocates for obviously the legalization of drugs. We are very pro-marijuana. We are, um, you know, we talk a lot about criminal justice, a lot about uh, social equity, racial equity. And I think that they were really, the cops there got wind of what we were doing, what our organization does. And we're just, you know, they're making themselves known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was really, really problematic. Um, we had a lot of our attendees were tweeting about why are there so many police at the DPA conference? How do we get rid of them? Why are they here? So there are a lot of issues that we need to, to talk about and need to address in the meetings industry. And this is just one of them. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue that affects pretty much everybody that is in the industry, you know, whether it be conventions, you know, smaller meetings, you know, we really need to talk about policing and talk about the presence of law enforcement and how it affects not only people of color, but organizations that are doing work like like the Drug Policy Alliance is. Very progressive organizations that tend to be, that have attendees, as I said, that tend to be a little bit skeptical of law enforcement mm-hmm. and have had very traumatic past experiences with law enforcement. So there are a lot of parallels, obviously. Right. Um, you know, and, and this town hall that we're having for LGBT MPA at the end of the month is really going to address some of these. We've brought in some outside speakers, uh, people of color that are going to be speaking on our panel. Um, and talking about experiences that they have had, not only in their personal lives, but also in their professional lives, and how we all in the meetings industry can do a better job. Right. So tell me more about the town hall and, and who's speaking. When is it going to be held? 
So it's going to be held right now. Um, we've, we've moved it a few times just because we really want to be able It's the first town hall that we've done as an organization. Um, it's specifically targeted toward our members, and our membership now is almost 1,700. So we've come a long way in a very short time. And we have two of our executive board members, Tony Scurry, who is a meeting planner um, and has his own company, and Derek Johnson, who is also a meeting planner, is just uh, got a new job with Tally Management Group, and he's going to oh. be doing virtual events and really kind of getting in more into the educational component of the meetings industry. So this town hall really is going to be addressing. Initially, we were going to really kind of get into talking about pride and talking about how we as LGBT meeting professionals in this association in particular can continue to be advocates for the industry, make sure that we're being heard, make sure that our voices are being heard throughout the industry. But it's really sort of now pivoted to discussing what's happening right now and the realities of, of what the black community is facing and how we as an organization can make sure that you know, we're putting everything that we can behind this particular movement. You know, uh, we've come up with a statement, obviously, of course, denouncing the murder of George Floyd, denouncing police brutality against people of color, because it's not just George Floyd, obviously. You know, we've got this is happening all the time. And it's just now really started to gain some traction, thank God. So I, I think it's going to be a really interesting town hall. It's going to be the 24th of June. Um, it will be an hour I'm going to be speaking and giving a little history of the organization. David Jeffries, our executive director, is going to be talking about our membership, a little bit about our budget, the budgetary process, and then we're going to go into an actual sort of more uh, meaty conversation about about what's, what's happening, the reality of what's happening right now, and how, as I said, we as meeting professionals to continue supporting this effort. Uh, so that, but what we're really trying to do is, as the organization is, is obviously to practice what we preach and to try to be as inclusive as possible. So even though we are LGBT meeting professionals association, we want that to encompass and we mm -hmm. do encompass everyone. So we, right. we encompass intersex, queer, uh, the allied community. Right. Um, so it, we've thought about changing the names to, to be perfectly honest with you. We've had conversations about it. Um, we decided to essentially go the LGBT plus route right. okay. in terms of how we reference uh, not only the organization, but the work that we're doing, because we are we feel as though the plus encompasses everything right. else. <laughs> and that's what so I've been thinking about this editorially, like, what do I write? And I think I, I prefer the plus for for logic you know because it's like plus whatever else it's all good you know and i wanted to, to you know to um ask you if you thought that would that would be a good way to to use you know to say in in writing lgbtq plus that you know in uh, yeah absolutely yeah. and 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 that seems to be sort of the um what's really taken hold more right. so recently has been yeah. the plus. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we really, as I said, we, we want to make sure that we're not alienating anyone. You know, right. I, I think what I, we had discussed last year when we spoke, um, one of my biggest concerns and, and one of the things that I was really focused on from the inception of this organization was even though it's an LGBT organization, I want to make sure that we are not excluding anyone. I want straight allies. I want people mm -hmm. that don't identify as LGBT plus to come on board and to hear this message because it affects the entire industry. We're trying to make change and spread change within the entire meetings and events community. And not everybody obviously identifies as LGBT+. So when we're talking about how we make meetings more inclusive, we can't just be talking to, to the LGBT community. We have to be talking to the meetings community on the whole if we're going to continue to move forward and if we're going to continue the momentum that we have. Right. And I think, you know, I think the Black Lives Matter movement and it being so prominent right now, it just raises awareness about diversity in general. 
It does. Yeah. It does. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, as I've said, you know, what we want to make sure that we're doing at the organization, what I want to make sure that I'm doing as a, as a planner that identifies as gay, um, even working for an organization that is not an LGBT organization, right. is to ensure that I am planning every meeting, every event that I can with inclusion at the forefront of my mind. So, you know, that means making sure, of course, that there are gender neutral restroom options that right. makes sure that's making sure that keeping in mind, for instance, people who are in recovery at DPA, I, a lot of our attendees were formerly incarcerated, were in recovery for both alcohol mm-hmm. and substance abuse. And a lot of our events serve alcohol. So we specifically mm-hmm. set up separate areas that were alcohol free. So those mm-hmm. folks didn't have to go to a bar and right. order a non-alcoholic beverage and see a whole bunch of liquor standing in front of them, yeah. sitting in front of them. Um, so, you know, inclusion is, it, 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 there's so much to it and it goes so far beyond just sort of, you know, what we, uh, you know, initially think of as inclusion, which is making sure that LGBT folks, people of color, women, et cetera, are included. Um, you know, we really are trying to dig as deeply as we can when we talk about inclusivity. Yeah, I think that's great. And I have not, that's one thing in terms of alcohol free, we've written about this and that, um, it, our industry is very far behind and, you know, not very aware or inclusive of people in recovery because everything is so alcohol focused and you rarely even see any kind of specialty beverage that's not alcoholic. I've never been to an event that had an alcohol-free lounge or bar area. Never. You're absolutely right. It is because it's a very social industry, obviously. And, you know, this is what we do. We plan events, we plan meetings, we plan parties and and alcohol is synonymous oftentimes uh, with the work that we're doing. Um, So so it is something that we need to keep in mind. Um, It's something that I had never even considered before working at DPA. I mean, that's Working at that organization, I was there five and a half years. I mean, I just learned a tremendous amount about um, about inclusion, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that just, this just kind of scratches the surface in terms of ways that we try to make our meetings and our events more inclusive. Um, but yes, it is. We, we, we really have to do better as a community and, and as an industry. And I think that we're getting there. Um, and I think everything that's happening, obviously, with the Black Lives Matter movement, what's happening now, as I said, and then this weird kind of dichotomy because it's very inspiring to me, but then it's also just, it's maddening (laughs) that we're even having to discuss these things right now in 2020. It just seems like we should be so far beyond this, but unfortunately the reality is we're not. Right. In, in terms of meetings though. So the last time, the last time we talked, you know, we talked about restrooms. We talked about the pronoun ribbons, Mm -hmm. diversity of speakers, diversity in marketing materials. Let's, let's, uh, also revisit site selection. You, you know, you talked about that um, sites in site selection, you want to be in a, a destination that does basically have inclusive policies and an inclusive culture. But sometimes that means an expensive city, New York, San Francisco, some of the big cities tend to be a little bit more progressive. And you mentioned that as a meeting planner that you had put into contracts discussed with a, with a, you know, the community suppliers, your concerns about diversity being acceptable, and that if any legislation was enacted by in the area that would make your constituents feel not included, <laughs> that you would be, yeah, that would be, yeah. that would be allow you to get out of the contract. Are you still doing that? 
I, I well, so my new position is a little bit different. Right. Um, I am not. So I'll I'll tell you essentially what we do. And I I don't know if you're aware, if you're familiar with Specialty Food Association, but I imagine that you've heard of the fancy food shows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with those? Okay. So so SFA is the organization that that puts on both of those, and one occurs in San Francisco, the other one is in New York. New York in the summer, San Francisco in the winter. I am not specifically working on that event in terms of the contracting. Because it's such a large event, they contract years and years out, and it's not the particular focus of my role. So my role at the organization is handling all of their smaller meetings, so pretty much everything outside of the fancy food show. So absolutely, it is not something that I have been able to incorporate. Well, I mean, I've, before I was furloughed, I was at the organization for about two and a half months. <laughs> So, you know, I, I was only able to do, I only did a couple meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, the boss, the, the woman that I'm working for is very, very open to inclusion. Um, I've talked to her about the contract language that I was able to get into my contracts at, at Drug Policy Alliance, just in terms of uh, protecting LGBT plus folks from any sort of discrimination at a state level. And if there is something that's enacted, we can get out of our contract with no financial penalty. Uh, she loved that idea. Uh, she loves the idea. She loves my my background in terms of sustainability, trying to make our meetings as green as possible. That is something that I was able to do at the two meetings that I did run in my short amount of time there. Um, but in terms of the actual contract language, the LGBT language, I wasn't able to get those into either of the contracts for the meetings that I ran because those contracts had already been signed and executed by okay. the time I started there. Okay. Uh, but it is absolutely something that I will continue to do or at least continue to strive for whenever I plan a meeting, regardless of the organization. Mm-hmm. Is it really for civil rights in general and you know equality and diversity in general versus just specifically... LGBTQ or I had gone to a connect meeting in New York a few years ago and I had seen a presentation by um, a, an attorney in who's based out of Philadelphia and that was initially where I got the thought to include this language because mm-hmm. we were talking about diversity and he had a clause he had he had language up uh, mm-hmm. during his presentation I took a photo of it and I said I have got to get this into my contract mm-hmm. and I did and our conversation last year I think I told you that there was very little opposition from either of the hotels that I worked with in order to get this language in it is more tailored toward discrimination against the LGBT plus community but it's a really good I mean that's an interesting question and I don't know language that would sort of be inclusive of people of color or women, uh, you know, that we could get into our contract to ensure that if there was any sort of discrimination beyond just LGBT, how that would be handled. And if we were able to get out of a contract, Um, I haven't really considered that to be honest, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's a really, really, I think it's a no brainer in some ways. I just don't know exactly how that, how that language would look. For the black and brown community or for women, you're not going to see laws. You might you might find discrimination, but you're not going to find at this point probably legal action that would prohibit rights. I'll give you another example. You know, in Atlanta, my first conference with DPA back in 2017, one of my colleagues, African-American lady, managing director of the organization, felt as though she was facing racial discrimination at the hotel. She was very honest with me about it. I had several conversations with my CSM. Uh, about it. We talked to the general manager about it. Um, There were a few instances that I won't go into now, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they essentially asked her, you know, can you give us, tell us how you're feeling? What what can we do? You know, what is, and she gave the examples of of the discrimination that she felt as though she was facing. And, you know, it's such a tricky thing because there was only so much they could do. You know, they, I know that they had a conversation with the specific person 
that she had identified. You know, he, of course, denied it and said that she was overreacting. So it's, you know, a lot of times it's just, and it's unfortunately just the reality of our, our world. A lot of times it's kind of a he, he said, she said type of situation. And, you know, it, it, when those when those issues arise, I think that the best thing that you can do is just make sure that you're as sensitive as possible to the person that is that is experiencing it and ensuring that you are communicating with your venue and with the hotel and making sure that they are very aware and having those difficult but but necessary conversations um, mm-hmm. in order to make your attendees feel as welcome and as at ease as possible. I mean, that's my what I feel my job is, you know, I mean, I am, this is the hospitality industry, you know, I consider my colleagues at my organization, their peers and their colleagues, but they're also my clients. And that's how I look at them, you know, they are entrusting their budget and their meeting to me. So, you know, while we're on equal footing at the organization, I still feel as though I am in a service-oriented position when it comes to the relationship that I have with them. Do you see any improvement? I mean, in your time representing this organization or just being in the meetings industry, do you see any improvement in how LGBT um, plus people are treated? I do. It's a gradual process or progress, excuse me, sorry. Um, but I do, absolutely. You know, I mean, I am seeing and speaking to more hoteliers, more people on the convention side in terms of convention convention halls, you know, venues, uh, hotels, whatever it may be, that are getting requests in for gender-neutral restrooms, which I think is great, great because I, I asked people that I work with about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DPA, that was the, one of the first conversations that I had with every uh, venue contact that I worked with was, okay, if you don't currently have gender-neutral restroom options, for example, uh, how can we make sure that I can have them at my meeting? And then I would ask, you know, are other planners asking for this? And they, uh, and pretty much everybody I spoke to said, you are not the first time, this is not the mm-hmm. first time I've, I've received this request in. Right. So I do think that there is gradual progress absolutely happening. You know, you're seeing more LGBT plus mixers. You know, I'm seeing on more conference agendas. I'm seeing the incorporation of definitely the incorporation of more female speakers and, and people mm-hmm. of color. Um, I think that that has come a long way. I think that's probably actually come a longer way than our LGBT inclusion at meetings. For instance, the panel that we're doing at LGBT MTA, the, the town hall at the end of this month, we wanted to make sure that we were getting as much diversity on our panel as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seeing that at the Drug Policy Alliance. We had over 300 speakers at our biennial conference, and there was a huge, huge commitment to making sure that we were as diverse as possible in our speaker selection and the people that were actually going to be on the program. So absolutely, I, I think that there has been a I've been in this industry now, it's been about 15 years, and we're having conversations, I'm having conversations with other meeting professionals that I would never have dreamed of having 15 years ago. I mean, just the level of awareness, you know, just steadily increased over time. It has. And that's the first step, really, truly. You know, it's the more you talk about it, you know, the more meetings that you have, the more people are going to start to, this is going to become the norm. Right. But it it is really inspiring. It's inspiring to see that, you know, more programs, you know, are just another example at Drug Policy Alliance, you know, there was an intersection of the LGBT community because it, you know, the LGBT, LGBT folks are affected by the war on drugs, not as much as people of color are traditionally. It was not a LGBT conference, but we had an LGBT mixer on the first evening of the conference, every single conference that we planned. We did have a really large LGBT plus contingent of attendees, and we wanted to make sure that they were able to connect and network with other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's important for organizations that are not LGBT focused to consider those kind of events. 
Right. Right. And, you know, I think you probably have more, um, you know, attendee commitment to the organization because they really feel included and recognized in a um, very overt way. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what we're hoping for. And, and you know, it's not we're not doing it just because we know we have a large contingent of LGBT plus folks. We're doing it because we want to do it and we know it's the right thing to do. And, and inclusion is one of the principles. I'm talking a lot about DPA, but that's obviously my most recent experience. Right. Um, but inclusion was such a, was so important to, to the organization and to the foundation of what the organization was trying to do and trying to achieve with our work. So it, it really did spill over into the events world as well. Right. Well, that, that's a great message for the times. I mean, for any time, but especially now um, with what's happening in our in our country. I just I think it's, you know, as you said, it's unfortunate, but exciting in a lot of ways. I think that this is going to be different. I hope it is. I think we're all hoping that it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do feel as though something is brewing, finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, you think about it, Lauren, it's like, this is really not in many ways that different from Rodney King. And that happened, what, in 1992? Yeah. And, you know, that's over, you know, that's almost 30 years ago. That's amazing. And we're still discussing this. You know what I mean? This is really still the same issue. We're mm-hmm. still talking about police brutality. We're still talking about white police officers uh, brutalizing black men. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's 30 years after Rodney King. Right. And so I, I, it's just, I hope that it doesn't, it, we're not talking about this in another 30 years. Yeah. I really do. So do I. So do I. Well, yeah. as always, it's wonderful to talk to you, and I'm glad to be able to catch up. Yeah, you too, Lauren. Thanks okay. so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us, and check back for new episodes soon.